0: Welcome to the Vail Christian Church podcast. This week, Pastor Ben Pitney continues in our new series, Dream On, out of the book of Matthew. For this ninth message, titled The Full Power, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. take your Bible out and turn to Matthew chapter 6. So I've been utilizing this theme of God calling Christ followers, God calling us to something pretty radical. It's not just a dream. You can't dream it into existence. I don't care what um, Stephen Tyler was uh, trying to say there in that song. You can't dream things into, into existence, especially in this crazy upside-down world. No, that's, uh, that's not, we, we, we've got to be much more intentional about the things that God calls us to do and be, and they are radical. So in light of that, today uh, we're talking about money, um, we're talking about our possessions, because one of the most radical positions that Jesus has is uh, regarding money and our possessions. So in Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to be just for a few minutes there are reasons why, though, uh, at least, why I'm happy. I'm, I am glad, actually, today to address the subject. Um, talk about money, to talk about giving. And these are reasons I think you should be glad as well. I really do. I am in such good company. You know, um, through this whole sort of pandemic thing, there's been opportunity to watch TV differently. Um, for, you know, you got to go back and uh, I don't know, Lynn and I are watching old movies, reruns, old TV shows. And you know, there's this show that I really liked. It was a variety show called The Carol Burnett Show. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. It sounds kind of funny. I would like it, but she's super funny. She's clean. She doesn't do anything crude or rude. She doesn't use foul language, and she always invited people to be on her variety show. And they would just—they're just funny, right? Just really funny. So uh, a few years ago, she's she's pretty old now, and she wrote this or pulled this collection of her most favorite sketches and moments and uh, comedy routines together, and she called it "In Such Good Company." It's pretty magnificent. I get to see uh, some of that. You should check it out. I think it's really great. But I feel like I'm in such good company as well because speaking pointed words about money and possessions, it puts me in such good company, namely with Jesus. You know, 25% of or, or somewhere in that neighborhood of everything Jesus said relates to these topics of money and possessions and giving. More than his teachings actually on heaven and hell actually combined. It was kind of crazy. I'm in a lot of good company. Um, I'm just going to put out a, a bunch of Bible verses that give you a smattering or overview of just how intentional he is with this topic. It's crazy. Mark chapter 10, verse 21, he says, you lack one thing. He's talking to a guy who's got questions. How do I get to heaven? How do I get in? How do I get this kingdom and be a part of this whole thing? He says, well, you lack one thing. Go sell whatever you have and give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. I mean, that's, that gets to the heart of it really quick, right? Luke 6, 20, blessed are you who are poor for the kingdom of God belongs to you. And then later he says, whoa, <laughs> to you, Rich, for you've received your consolation. Really? Luke 14, Not one of you can be my disciple if he does not renounce all of his possessions. I mean, that gets right to it. Our things, our stuff, our possessions. Luke 18, 25. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. That's crazy, radical thinking. Right? Luke 12, 15. One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Here again, he focuses on our stuff and our things, our possessions, all that we invest our life in um, a lot. Matthew six thirty three. but above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. I mean, if you put me first instead of all the stuff and the things, you'll get what you need. Luke twelve thirty-three, provide yourselves purses that do not wear out. That's bags, money bags <laughs> that don't wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never decrease, that never decreases, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. You know, Lynn and I are uh, we're trying to move. We are selling our house. Our house is under contract. I mean, we basically sold our house. It's such an arduous process. It's such a painful process. The pain, though, is, uh, is in, in, in the whole thing. You know what it's all about? Where, where all the pain kind of happens? With all your stuff and all your things. So we've had to declutter. Wow, that is painful, decluttering. Half of everything is in, that was in our house, we either have sold it, given it away, or put it in a box to deal with in the future. So we've been living with about half our stuff. Just last night, I said to Linda, and I said, hey, I've seen that shirt like a lot lately. <laughs> She's all, what, you don't like it? I'm like, no, I, I, you've got so many other shirts. She goes, I know, but they're all in boxes. I'm the same way. We've been living with half our clothes, half of our shoes, half of everything. It's kind of crazy. Every cabinet, everything that we, you know, the garage. Oh my gosh, it's all empty. It's we have a big house. It was bigger than I thought it was. When you take all the stuff out, half of our furniture. I mean, half of everything has been just boxed up, given away, sold, or gotten rid of, and it's 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 a wonder right? You start examining all your possessions and stuff. You know what one of the more painful things about selling your house is, is that they poke around and they prod around everything. They want to know if you got termites and bugs and stuff like that, right? So you got to, they got to inspect all those things. They're inspecting your stuff to see, because if your treasure is all messed up with bug damage, (laughs) deterioration, it's not worth as much, right? Jesus knew this all along, right? He's like, well, yeah, if you didn't have all that, you wouldn't have to worry about all that, right? He goes to Zacchaeus. Here's a tax collector, a guy who's rich, really wealthy. He's gotten it from cheating, basically. Luke 19, 8 and 9, he says, Zacchaeus says, look, Lord, half of my possessions I now give to the poor. So Jesus eventually says to him, today salvation's come to your household. See, it's connected. Our stuff, our things, our possessions, and you know where our treasure is, and all those things are really important to Jesus. And what we do with them. Matthew thirteen forty four. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that, all that he has, and he buys that field. Luke twenty one three. Jesus saw a poor widow put two small copper coins in the offering box, the giving box? He says, I tell you, the truth, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. Isn't it amazing how much Jesus addresses this this issue? I mean, he's all over it. God says to the man who builds even bigger barns to put all this stuff in, right? He says, you fool this very night, your life will be demanded back from you, but who will get what you've prepared for yourself? So it is with one who stores up riches for himself, but is not rich towards God. Wow. Luke nine fifty eight. Foxes have dens, and the birds in the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. This is a good way of saying it. Stuff and things, they're not the most important thing to me. Jesus says, you want to follow me? You have to think appropriately about your stuff and your things and the wealth that we have. If you and I were set free to give, you would be the happiest people on the planet. You know, Lynn and I are really happy right now. We've been able to get by with about half of what we normally get by. It's, It's amazing when you just do it. It's amazing how you can... Get by. You know all that junk that you got crammed into your garage, I promise you, if you unloaded just half of it and just it just disappeared, you wouldn't even know it's gone. You wouldn't even know it's gone. You looked in your garage lately, right? It's almost embarrassing. Are you one of those people that doesn't like the the garage opened up for all the neighborhood to see? Because there's so much junk in there you can't even put your car in there. <sighs> yeah, over and over. Jesus is relentless in his radical call to a wartime lifestyle and a risky liberality. I mean, he's radical about this stuff. And he says, you know what? I know human nature, your stuff and your things and your possessions and your money and your savings and your future retirement, all that stuff, it has the potential to master you. And I want you to know you got to live differently if you're going to follow me. You just got to get that straight. One time he refers to the Old Testament minimum of giving a tenth of your income. We, we call it a tithe in the Old Testament, right? He endorses it, and then he calls for a way of looking at life and money way more radical than just the tithe. He says, you know, look, got to think way more radical than that. Just a, a tenth? I wish we could just get people just to think about a tenth. Matthew 23, 23. He says, these are guys, this is the church establishment, leaders of the law, experts in the law. These are the people who are supposed to model and live out the way it is. He says, hey, you guys, you give a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, yet you neglect what is more important in the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. So I'm in such good company, actually, talking about this, I don't mind at all. Not to mention the stories The book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the New Testament, they're selling their possessions, distributing the proceeds as any had need, Acts chapter 2. Or the words of the Apostle Paul, in a severe test of suffering and affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. God loves a cheerful giver, Paul says. Or James, the brother of Jesus, says, the flower falls and its beauty perishes So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. So today, I'm in really, really, really good company with Jesus, right? And I'm happy to be here, and I'm trying to be faithful to what the Lord has said. Because what I believe is that generous givers, Christ followers who are generous and extravagant givers, they're the happiest people on the planet. And I believe that then... um, a a, a church and Christ followers who who give generously and who are not mastered by their possessions, I believe, can create a landslide of blessing. If as a church we were gripped by the radical life of open-handed liberality, and that's what it means to be a Christ follower, open-handed liberality that Jesus teaches, if we tasted the freedom from fear that Jesus bought with his own blood, What a landslide of blessing that would be released among us. I think we have such a responsibility as rich Americans in this world of suffering, fear, and need. We have a lot of responsibility. And this is what Jesus Jesus chooses to focus on so much of his ministry. You know, the average church donor in America in 2019 contributed a meager $649. In 2019, nearly one-fourth of all Christ followers, that's 23%, gave no money to a church in 2019. One-fourth of all who call themselves Christ followers didn't even give anything. 12% of Christ followers tithe their income to churches in 2019. Just 12% of all Christ followers actually tithe. That would be saying gave 10%. Just the possibility that God might be pleased to release a landslide of blessing and financial means among us makes this message to me exhilarating. If you were personally set free, let's talk about giving people and how they are the happiest people on the planet. If you were personally set free to give the way the New Testament talks about giving, you'd be, I believe, with all my heart, the scripture teaches the happiest people on earth. I say it because it's what the scripture teaches. Happy is he who is gracious to the poor, Proverbs fourteen twenty one. He who is generous will be blessed, Proverbs 22, 9. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction, First Timothy 6, 9. It's more blessed to give than to receive, Acts 20, 35. You thought that was just something good to say at Christmas. If young people would learn quickly and older people before it's too late that there's no positive correlation between having all kinds of stuff and things and being really happy, there's no positive correlation. A life of simplicity with a governor on your spending and a passion to advance the kingdom through giving would be far... If we could just learn this, we would be far more happier in life than a life of just doing whatever we want. I'm pleading, especially with teenagers and young people today, young single people to learn these things early because statistics show, listen to this, statistics show that the young are less likely to give anything than older folks. And single people are less likely to give anything than married people. I wish it wasn't true. That doesn't give you the right to bang on young people and single people if you're older. Okay? But we got to model good things. In Christ, you don't need to be old or married to be smart and Christ-like. And I'm hoping that you will prove, that, that we, we, will, we will be a church that proves all the polls and the statistics wrong. So for these three reasons, I'm happy to speak about money and giving. It puts me in really good company, just like Carol Burnett said. She surrounded herself with all kinds of great people. So I'm going to steal her phrase. It might be, God willing, if we pay attention to this more, we might release a landslide of blessing. If you embrace the call, it'll make you happier than all the wealth on the planet. and the United States of America, and even at Vail Christian Church, we have a lot of wealth. We're in charge of a lot of that. So there's three commands of Jesus that I want to focus on in Matthew chapter 6. Look at, we, look at Matthew chapter 6 with me. Let's start in verse 19. we'll I'm going to talk about these for a couple of Sundays. Let's look at it just for a moment. Matthew 6, starting at verse 19. Do not accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and devouring insects destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But accumulate for yourself treasures in heaven where moth And devouring insects do not destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Very famous words. Then he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If then your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is diseased, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be de- devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in and money. And then, and then he goes on all the way through verse 34 about n- not worrying. He, he addresses anxiety and anxiousness. And he, he lays out all kinds of reasons why you should not be in fear and anxious and worry like crazy. And there are three commands there in the text that we're going to focus on. Three main imperatives, three commands, and I just want to draw them out. And I think that they're actually happy commands. Every command has a negative aspect to it. but these, I, I think these are happy if you'll think this through. Everything else then in the text is meant to help you see the commands as wise and right and, and, and to see the joyful possibilities Of this radical thing that Jesus presents all the time. The three commands are this lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. That's number one. It's found in verse 20. And I'm gonna lump the negative part of the command in there as well do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. All right? Together with this one, as a negative way of saying the same thing. All right, the second command is: Do not be anxious. It's found actually three times in the scriptures right here. Once in verse twenty-five, where "Do not be anxious about your life." Verse thirty-one: "Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What will we drink? What are we going to wear?" This is almost comical. Lynn and I were talking about what we're we going to wear last night. It's just comical. We're looking at our clothes, going, "Hey." Been seeing this a lot on you, and I'm like, yeah. What the? Does it really matter? <laughs> I don't think anybody else is paying that much attention. Verse thirty-four: Do not be anxious about tomorrow. And then here's the third command: Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and it's found in verse thirty-three. So, how do these imperatives? How do these commands? How do they relate? How are they connected? Right. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is the large, overarching command. Be passionate about experiencing the saving, the purifying, empowering, love-producing reign of God in your life, and over all the world, the kingdom. Thy kingdom come in my life and over the nations. There's no positive correlation then between having many things and being really happy. So... He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This is a specific instance of what seeking God's kingdom involves. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness involves not trying to be rich here on earth, but trying to be rich in heaven, that is rich in God. Seeking the kingdom means treasuring God and freeing yourself from the drag of all these things on earth. And it is a drag. It's, it's amazing, when my dad died a few years ago, I got a lot of his stuff. I inherited a lot of his stuff. I, I cleaned out his garage and his house and some things, and wow, he had a lot of stuff. A lifetime of accumulating things. So I had a lot of his stuff in boxes. So because we're moving, i am got all this stuff out. So Scott and Carolyn Nolting are part of our church and we a and part of our community group and things. And, and Scott and uh, I was talking with Carolyn. She said, oh, my gosh, I have the same things from my parents. Boxes and a whole storage room of stuff like I did, right? So, you know, I said, you know what we should do? We should sell all that stuff. So uh, we did a little bit of research and we found this place called the Mercantile Merchant. You can rent a little booth because all my dad's stuff is like antique and old and all that, and her parents as well. So we went into, we, split one, we went into partnership and we bought one of those booths, and we put all of our parents. It's our parents' stuff. We put it in the booth to sell it. Oh, my gosh. People will buy anything. I mean, it, it, it's nostalgic and, and things like that, but it's stuff. See, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven is a specific instance of what God, of what seeking God's kingdom involves. All right? Freeing yourself from the drag of all these things on earth, and don't be anxious is the condition of the heart by which we break free from our addiction to earthly treasures and give ourselves the passion to heavenly treasures. By faith in His promises, God frees us from anxiety. In this freedom, we don't crave treasures on earth anymore. Those are the three main imperatives in the text. That's that. That's what Jesus wants us to be like: free from anxiety, seeking His kingdom. Laying up treasures in heaven, not on earth, and all the stuff that we collect on earth. I have collections of junk just like my dad. He just inherited that thing. <laughs> it's crazy. But now I have this antique booth. I've just been taking it down there. <laughs> it's so freeing. It's so great to make let somebody else buy it. Oh, it's fantastic. Everything else in these verses, these 16 verses left now, Is foundation and support. Jesus doesn't just tell us to be this way. He gives us at least 12 arguments to help us. And He spends most of His time giving us reasons not to be anxious through verse 25 through 34. Don't just stop being afraid. Don't be anxious. And if you just trust Him and you lean into what He asks you to do, it's awesome. It's so freeing. We're going to spend some time on this in the future. But today, I just want to focus just for a couple of more minutes on the meaning of lay up your treasures in heaven. What does this mean? Are you doing it? Jesus says to do it. Are we? Up to a point, the text is plain, isn't it? Verse 19. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moths, bugs, you know, rust, destroy it, where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where all this stuff can't have it. evidently, there are two ways to live. You can live with a view to accumulating valuable things on earth, or you can live with a view to accumulating valuable things in heaven. Jesus says the mark of a Christ follower is that his eyes are on heaven, and he measures all his behavior by what effect it will have on heaven. The kingdom joy when it comes to God. And something else is clear. Laying up your treasure in heaven and laying up your treasures on earth, they don't go together very good. <laughs> you have to choose between them. You, can, you can't say, well, can I do both things? I feel like some of my life I've been trying to do both. That's the point of verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Did you cast this? Either you're going to hate one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. You can't do it. So there's something about God and money that makes them lean towards mastery. Either you're going to be mastered by money and therefore ignore God and make him your doorman for your business and all your things and the stuff that you do, or you're going to be mastered by God and make money a servant of the kingdom. But if either tries to master you while you are mastered by the other, you're going to hate and you're going to despise it. Unbelievable. That's why Jesus says it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like trying to fit a camel through the eye of a needle. Sounds so dumb to say that. That's how radical it is. That's how right he is. Let's be more specific. If Jesus means devote your life to accumulating treasures in heaven, what's the main thing he has in mind that we should do now? In my judgment from the context, it would be that it is giving rather than accumulating. Giving rather than accumulating. If laying up treasures in heaven is the opposite of laying up treasures on earth, then probably laying up treasures in heaven will not be laying up treasures on earth. Get rid of it liquidate it, get it into the kingdom. Randy Alcorn, in that little book, The Treasure Principle, you know what he says? It's a great little book. He says, I'm convinced that the greatest deterrent to giving is this, the illusion that earth is our home. It's an illusion. It's not, right? Christ is our home. And so to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it will be all the more gain as we learn to lay up treasure in heaven by giving, by giving. We gotta be givers. What does this got to do with me? Well, obviously I want you to give. The scripture is teaching it. I want you to give and to give consistently. It's pretty obvious, Right? A little over eight years ago, we were led, we believe, by the Lord to build a building for us to meet in, and we moved into this place. But the building cannot be such a distraction, right? We called this vision of pulling all this together, taking new ground. That's what this has to do with this. Taking new ground. Why did we want to take new ground? So that we would have a foothold in the community to do something bigger than just meeting this building, Right? So number two, this is a vision of our families grounded in the word of God, secure in their convictions, unshakable in their faith that will weather the storms of life and will not yield to the spirit of the age, which is full of fear. Number three, this is a vision of a church loving the taste of scriptures and the supremacy of its author, seeing him as the most important reality in the universe and and most crucial factor in every issue facing any people. This is a vision of the great God who is utterly committed to demonstrating his greatness and doing us good, calling us to get outside of this building, though, you see. To get outside of this building and explain Jesus to a lost world. That's what this has to do with us. That's why it's so radical. In other words, this is a vision to train our children to train our teenagers, to train our families, to lay up treasures in heaven as we learn to take risks in loving people. It's a challenge to make room in life to connect people in God, so you gotta have room. So maybe you need to have a garage sale. Number six, that's why we're asking you to be generous givers, extravagant givers, because it lines up with such good company. That's Jesus this is not the only or even the main way that Jesus calls us to lay up treasures in heaven, but it is one way. And I would like to ask you to pray and seek God's leading over the next you know, couple of weeks in particular, some more, right, as, as, as to how you might invest the money God has entrusted you. How should you use it to lay up treasures in heaven and evaluate your giving again? I mean, we just got to constantly go back to this. It seems like Jesus just hammers this all the time. And so the band's going to come up and we're going to play and the guys are going to move to the stations and we're going to conclu- conclude with the Lord's Supper. And we're going to do this on purpose because we moved to the Lord's Supper. I want you to, to let this be in your mind in the midst of the Lord's Supper. If there is any inclination in your heart to treasure Jesus and to love people and to give for his sake, this is because Christ bought you with his blood and is working in you by his spirit. That's what we want to remember. And so it's fitting that we pause, take just a few minutes, even while we ponder the use of the money that he's trusted with us and remember the infinitely valuable body and blood of Jesus broken for us. Will you bow your head with me? Thank you, Lord, that we can be in your presence and Love you and worship you in this way. Help us to remember, Lord God. To remember. You should have first place in everything that we do. That we're not responsible for the results, but you've called us and you've given us a mission and a mandate to serve you in this way. And things and stuff and our wealth just gets in the way and distracts us so often. We want to be free of all that, like we are free from our sin because of what you've done for us, how you've given us your Son Jesus to make a way for us to be in your presence. We want to be about your kingdom and your kingdom work. Help us to seek those things first and to lay up our treasures in heaven, not here on earth. Lord, you're worthy. Build it in our lives, Lord. Build it in our lives as we remember. We want to come to this table in a worthy manner, Lord. Experiencing the forgiveness that you've purchased for us. This freedom that you've purchased for us. Help us to remember. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Next week, we have a special guest speaker, Detective Jay Warner Wallace, and you won't want to miss it. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the videocast of this message, please visit our website at www.bellchristian.com.